We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Turrbal and Yagara people, and their elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded and flood media is recorded on stolen land. Um, so, welcome to another floodcast. We're really getting on a good schedule here, pumping them out. Um, today, Matt and I are joined by Tom O'Grady, who is uh, the Greens candidate for Townsville and is also involved, I think, with the JCU Student Union um, in Townsville. So, we're going to chat with Tom about um, what it's like to sort of do uh, left-wing electoral politics um, up there in the, the deep north of Queensland, um, kind of as a follow-up to our recent podcast about uh, rural regional areas and how we can sort of build alliances between the regions and the city. Um, we thought it would be good to talk to someone who's currently attempting to do that kind of work um, within the regions. Thanks for coming on, Tom. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me here. It's, uh, it's really exciting to be on a podcast. Yeah. All new to me. <laughs> Glad you think so. <laughs> um we'll try not to disappoint so maybe it's uh just to kick off with you can sort of fill us in on your various roles uh your background like how you came to get involved uh, with politics in townsville um and yeah what what you're sort of up to at the moment yeah so um i've been involved in the like political kind of things for a while now like i've been i've always been a bit of a greens leaning kind of guy. I've voted green at every election that I've ever voted in, which, um, you know, in Townsville, you know, it doesn't get you super far to start with, but, um, but changing things around. Um, right now I am, uh, working like at the student union at JCU. I'm the president. I was elected last year. Um, so it's the first time we've had a green president in over a decade, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, like I do other advocacy things with the AYCC, um, not so much now that my candidacy is out there and, you know, I work with Raise the Rate campaign. I like organizing the Raise the Rate group in Townsville as well. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty broadly green left guy. Like I sort of came to the Greens after like just being so disillusioned with the rest of um, Australian politics. Like, if we if we look at Queensland, like, there's no real left wing options except for the Greens. Um, you know, up here, the parties that have the biggest sway um, outside of the major two are Cat's Australian Party and um, One Nation. And as a young lefty who, well, pretty socially left kind of guy, neither of those are an option that I could consider. And so that just leaves us with the Greens because. Queensland Labor is not a, not what I'd call a left-wing party anymore, but yeah, so hopefully let's knock them off and put 93 Greens into Queensland Parliament. <laughs> That's the aim. <laughs> um, and so now you're, you're the Greens candidate for Townsville in the upcoming state election. Can you talk a bit about like what your campaign's been doing so far and, and what's your, what your experience has been like campaigning for the Greens in Townsville? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we just started, we just launched the campaign for Townsville just a couple of weeks ago. Um, so far, it, it's been a pretty slow start. Um, we're still pretty cautious of like coronavirus stuff. We don't have, you know, the Greens, um, we're not a big branch up here. We don't have money to burn on, you know, Clive Palmer style advertising. Um, so we're doing a lot of, you know, face-to-face kind of things, which with coronavirus is actually kind of interesting to do like it, everyone's really wants to have a chat 
people are, I think after lockdowns, people are craving that human connection. Yeah, that's totally been our experience here in South Brisbane as well. So what kind of things are people having a chat about? That's This is what kind of really interests me, because one of the best things about doing this campaigning, certainly down here, is that you talk to so many people and kind of get so many different... Um, like a part of the work I'm doing down here involves having a look at this kind of voter data from all these different people um, around South Brisbane, and you get a really fascinating look into... Um, what people care about and what they want and what is kind of motivating them. And then, you know, your role as a politician, I always think, is to respond to that um, as best you can and to make sure you're doing what people want you to do generally. So um, when you're, yeah, when you're out there in Townsville knocking on doors, what kind of things are coming up and what are the big issues that people um, are thinking about? Yeah, so like... I think the biggest thing up here is just political disengagement. Nobody, most people in Townsville have really little faith in the major parties. Like, and, and you can see that in the way that their policies don't really relate to North Queensland very well. Like at the last state election, one of the big debates that they had was Cross River Rail. And then, you know, there was a whole ministry devoted to it. And for someone in North Queensland who, you know, doesn't go to Brisbane very often, doesn't really care about the Brisbane bubble, um, you know, you see there's a Labour and Liberal Party having a big fight over a train station in Brisbane. And for someone who lives 1,500 kilometres away, that doesn't mean anything to us. And we feel like it's a lot of um, a lot of the sentiment you get up here in North Queensland is that politics in general and the Queensland Parliament and all of that, they only care about Brisbane, which um, I think the major parties haven't really done a good job of you know, dissuading people from that view. Um, and, you know, in the past, I think the Greens could have also been looked at as pretty major party-centric. And we're really looking to change that up here now. We want to say that, hey, um, there are candidates that actually care about the regions. And we, we're not just here to support someone in Brisbane. I mean, it'd be fantastic if, um, you know, the strong seats in Brisbane got up. But where I'm here running, not to not just supporting people down south. I'm here running because I genuinely care about North Queensland. I genuinely care about people up here. I've lived my whole life here, and I've seen you know every state government for as long as I can remember just completely ignore regional Queensland. And it's really it's really weird that these successive governments keep doing that when Queensland is the only state in Australia where it has more people outside of the capital than in it. It's weird, right? Yeah, like I mean that's a that's a huge thing down here as well is like so many voters just think, well, like they're all bastards. Like none of them care. Um, it's a lot of like disengagement, like even here in kind of central Brisbane, right. Which is, you know, to some extent, like where the most attention is. Um, it's very easy to see how people outside um, the yeah, like outside Brisbane, outside southeast Queensland, um, both this incredible like physical distance. I think that's one of the things that is kind of uniquely Australian and kind of very specific to Queensland is the it's not just like a abstract distance. It's like no, like like genuinely physically very far apart, but also like that kind of makes it even more pronounced um, how like far removed these yeah like the politicians are from what matters i guess 
Yeah, yeah, and like you see it in the in the way people voted at the like at the last state election. So in twenty seventeen, when we had the state election here, Labor won the seat on a pretty slim margin, but you know they they ended up with about just over thirty percent of the primary vote. But, you know, coming there in third place in that election on primaries was one nation with nearly, with a bit more than 20% of the vote. We've got a, another seat just next to the one that I'm running in is Labour One Nation Marginal. It's, and I don't believe, I don't believe for a second that, you know, people voting One Nation up here are doing it because they're all in for Pauline and, you know, they stand up for all of the uh, insane stuff that they're all about. It's a protest vote because the big parties have left us behind. And if we can show people that there is an option that's not one of the big parties, but you know someone that actually cares for people and doesn't uh, have quite the same social policies as uh, those on the right, then I think you know the Greens can make a big pl- a big push in North Queensland because we need to have a change and. If we just keep electing the same two tired old parties, nothing's ever going to change for us. And so what's the response been like? Like when you knock on people's doors um, or call them on the phone, like is there much of a sort of automatic anti-Greens sentiment out there or are people sort of quite open and receptive? What's your general experience? Um, Yeah, we get a, you get a fair bit of um, anti-Green sentiment, especially from my older people, uh, or anyone that's, you know, reading the Townsville Bulletin, the, the only paper in town is Murdoch, of course. And, yeah. uh, you know, Murdoch and Sky News are really pushing that um, anti-Greens line. But I think right now it's it's changing a little bit because, you know, they can push this anti-Greens line all they want. But when you see the the reality of the situation is that the Greens have one member in Parliament right now and everything that's being done, it's being done by Labor and the Liberals. Um, and when you you sort of mentioned that, hey, the Greens aren't in power, everything that you're not liking is being done by one of these big parties. And we want to change that. We want to take the power away from them. Um, that's when they, people seem to come around a lot to that. If you really tap into that um, anti-politics, anti-Labor, anti-Liberal message, um, you know, North Queensland's not really super receptive to the Labour Party or the Liberal Party. We're just sort of stuck with them because I guess just historical inertia. Yeah. And I I think like the anti-politics sentiment is actually super strong down here as well. Um, Probably not quite as strong um, due to, as you mentioned, the sort of sense of historical and geographical abandonment um, that North Queensland has. But I'm wondering like how you... um, counter yeah the the sort of right-wing um uh, attempt to capture that anti-political sentiment which as you mentioned is expressed usually in a fairly high vote for one nation so if you come across a one nation supporter like what would be your pitch to swing them to the greens um one nation supporters uh i wouldn't call them one nation supporters i'd say people that have voted one nation previously because mm. i don't think a lot of people actually support one nation policies um, usually the way that we pitch to them is, you know, we, we talk to them about, you know, the issues that they're having and we just hit them with Greens policy. Like, you know, we have fully costed policies and we have great policies that people up here are actually all get behind as soon as they hear them. 
the the biggest trouble we have is getting past that initial oh you're the greens barrier oh you're just you know you're all tree huggers uh you know you oh we get a lot of you guys started the bushfires oh yeah um, i've heard that a few times (laughs) do people mention the um anti-dani convoy much still no no that's um thank god (laughs) that's that's like lost to the annals of history i haven't heard anyone bring that up um it's really strange too because Adani's head office is like five minutes up the road from my house. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it's a. Does the anti does Adani come up at all? Like, because they're like reasonably keen on Adani up there, right? I actually don't know. Do people bring it up that they want it to go through? Um, there's a pretty big split still, like in our community. A lot of people are. Uh, still all for it because you know they've been fed the jobs and growth you need a, mi- a big mind to make more jobs um but it's the pro dining sentiment's kind of dying down a bit especially as we see like this mine is is behind schedule and you know that ten thousand jobs that they were pushing out last election they've you know revised that down to 700 or something and every time they open their mouths at Adani, it's always less jobs or less things or more government money going into it. And I think that's a that's the big issue here. Like, it's not that people up here are super keen on thermal coal mining or anything like that. I mean, some people are, but it's more that you know, North Queensland has been an economic backwater for a long, long time. And so, any any major project that's saying, "Oh, we'll," You know, we'll make more new jobs in the region so that you know people can actually be employed. Is what people are going for. They're they're not they're not in it for coal mining. So when you hit them with the greens policies, they always say, look, we want to build, you know, a hundred percent renewable energy, and that means heaps of solar panels, heaps of wind farms, and we need people to build that. And they're going to make jobs doing it. Um, people get on board for that because it's not it's not what the job is at the end of the day. It's like it's that getting these people up here that have been struggling for so long and saying look we're gonna make jobs so that you know you can actually work i don't think people are keen on a dummy they're just keen on having a roof over their head yeah like i have found i think we've all had these conversations that you might start off with people a bit like oh you're from the greens are you or a bit like oh what about those bushfires it's like amazing how quickly people kind of come around like almost with it because almost like the instant you kind of pivot directly to the anti-politics stuff and you said like well they're all bastards aren't they like it really like very quick there's i find that there's a kind of initial resistance but it's almost quite lightly held in a sense that they think you're probably all bastards but it's often not that serious i feel like people are often surprised when you don't immediately get offended and end the conversation (laughs) like i think maybe they're um their preconception of, of greenies is, you know, someone who, who wants to lecture me or um, who's, you know, very morally, uh, you know, uptight and has these strong views and can't handle someone, you know, telling them um, they don't agree or that, you know, we started bushfires or whatever. But when you demonstrate a willingness to actually talk through on their own terms, I think you're right, like that um, disappears quite quickly. <laughs> Yeah, if you have a bit of a, it really helps to have a bit of a sense of humour. I find me like, yeah, if we are kind of tree huggers, like, yeah. that goes a long way. I mean, I've got some good trees in my backyard. They're definitely great for a hug. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I think um, 
a lot of people come around as soon as you start having a chat to them. Like, there's all these preconceived notions that people have of, you know, what the Greens are and what they stand for. Um, they just get, you know, it's just relentless in Murdoch Media and, you know, Fox and Sky News. and um, But yeah, like, people, people are really receptive to having this political chat. I know it seems weird that everyone says, oh, I don't like talking about politics. Oh, we don't have that chat. But as soon as you start a political conversation with someone and, you know, you make it, you make it known that you're actually, you know, prepared to listen and have an actual chat rather than just talk at someone. People are super open to it. Like, everyone loves a political chat. Just no one realizes it, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was actually going to ask you before about your um, experience in the student politics realm. And you mentioned that you, you're the first Greens president the student union has had. So how did you pull off that amazing victory? Like, is there much of a sort of uh, election student election culture at JCU? Like, what's the deal there? So we've had a we had a decade or so of young libs. I think there was one labor group in young labor group in the middle there. Um, but you know, a decade of young libs and them cutting everything and losing everything, especially in the aftermath of VSU, which student unions around the country are still trying to pick up the pieces from. Um, I, uh, I ran last year as sort of like a last minute entry, um, cause I didn't believe that either of the two blokes, the other two blokes, them, you know, the young labor and the young libs, um, didn't think any, either of them would do particularly well. And, you know, I wasn't prepared to let the union go that way. So I jumped on as an independent candidate in the last, well, I probably put my nomination in like the day before it closed. And... You know, all these guys are spending money with their their groups and, uh, you know, trying to buy people election. Like, there was one point where they were, like, you know, just handing out, like, pizzas and donuts and now yeah, yeah. sausages Classic. and people. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, I had a budget of about five bucks. Um, <laughs> I, I went to Kmart, I got a shirt, and I wrote, vote for Tom on it with a Nico. Um and, you know, I just had two of those and rotated them around for the election period and just talked to people. And it turns out if you just talk to people and, like, listen to what they have to say and then, you know, have a good idea of, you know, what a student union can actually do and where you want to go with it, then they'll come around and vote for you. And, you know, I was, I was lucky because we have first-past-the-post voting for now. We're going to change that. Um, that I managed to get out on top um and it was like one of the most one of the more um what's the word more attended elections like more people voted in this one than they'd done in the last couple high high turnout yeah yeah it was a, it was a really there's a much better turnout that's it thanks matt um there's yeah there's a much better turnout than the last couple of years before that and i think that's just comes down to because i walked around and i talked to people and i mean Sure, it probably helped that I had a lot of connections with, you know, different student societies on campus because I'd, you know, gone and helped them or I'd just go to random pub crawls to meet people and make new friends. But I'm like, that's what university is meant to be about. And the other guys in their little, in their little bubbles, like, they're nice enough blokes, but I don't, I don't think they had any idea of how to win an actual election. That's amazing. It's a genuine grassroots campaign. So, yeah, I was going to ask then... Who, what are the other candidates like in the state election? Um, I know I tried to look them up a bit. Um, 
I know that the LMP is trying to make a very big thing about crime. They seem to be running exclusively on uh, this tough on crime stuff, which doesn't seem very good to me. But yeah, like what are the other candidates like and what are they kind of running on? And um, how do you think people are thinking about them? Yeah, so, um, okay, so our candidates in Townsville right now, we've got Scott Stewart, who is the incumbent. He's the deputy speaker of the parliament. He's from the Labour Party. Um, you know, he's a, he used to be a teacher and he's, he's a nice bloke. Like he's a genuinely nice bloke. Um, but I don't think he's been a very effective local member. And a lot of people have sort of clued onto that, especially with Queensland Labour, um, drifting further and further right every day. Um, I'm not really sure where, where Scott fits into the Queensland labor machine. If he's just, you know, voting the way that they, they tell him to from up on high, but you know, he's not the, uh, he's not the label. He doesn't seem to be working as the labor left guy that he, rec- that he claims he is. Then the LNP are running, um, this bloke called John Hathaway. He was, uh, back when Campbell Newman won, John was the, uh, candidate in Townsville who got up. And I think John's an old, an older guy. I think he's retired army. Um, yeah, he's, a well, he's your tra- traditional, you know, LNP bloke. He was all, all about Campbell Newman, as far as I can tell. Um... And then who we got? Kata is running this other guy who I don't know anything about. Uh, I don't actually know the Kata party um, guy that's running. I've never seen, I haven't seen anything about him in the news anywhere. I've seen his Facebook page pop, a couple, pop up a couple of times, but nothing about you know what he stands for or what he's what he's going on with. But you know from Kata, I, I reckon from Kata party line, they're also running tough on crime where their solution to crime in Townsville is to get any kids that are arrested and ship them off to the desert. Not, not what I'd call good policy, but... Yeah, could you give us a bit of background on this sort of crime stuff that's been in the news recently um, around, yeah, around Townsville in particular? Well, there, yeah, there's been quite a bit of it down in the Gold Coast where I live as well, is that they've been like... The youth crims crime wave, and we've got to can't give him a slap on the wrist, and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's been a there's been a bit of uproar about youth crime the last couple of years, um, and that has been pushed very, very hard by the you know the Murdoch media here and uh, our local TV stations. Um, always happy to push a youth crime story. Um, Honestly, then the real stats that you can get from QPS, you see that crime crime rates haven't really moved. In fact, some of them have gone down um, up here. But the, this line of tough on crime, they've they've just been it's been pushed and pushed and pushed. Um, that's what they were pushing, you know, around the federal election last year. Still more tough on crime stuff. And right. the, uh, you know, they were, at the council elections earlier this year, it was all. You know, you have to get rid of our, you have to get rid of the mayor because she's not tough on crime. Um, and is, and it I think LN- it's, is it the LNP who's pushing this mostly or, or both major parties? Um, the LNP is pushing it a lot. Um, the Labour Party is sort of following them. And the traditional half-hearted, one foot either side of the fence Labour Party yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's such a good <laughs> way to win elections is to just like 
be aware your opponent is, but just less so. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure it's a great strategy for Labor, I and mean, it hasn't worked for them federally, and I don't think it's going to work for them in this state election. Um, but yeah, so this this tough on crime thing comes about because we have you know pretty high youth unemployment in North Queensland. We have you know well unemployment in general, and a lot of people. A lot of the sentiment up here is, you know, there's, you, you're not really, you, if you grow up here, you're not really going anywhere. There's, uh, there's not a lot of opportunities for young people. There's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of stuff to look forward to. Um, and we have a, we have a pretty high, like a pretty high ratio of like socio, um, lower socioeconomic, um, like families in town as well, which is, you know, not not great and we should be doing something about that but evidently we're not and so you know you have there's a big problem it's not a it's it's tough there's a there's a problem with like young people um who go out and you know take take cars for joy rides um that kind of thing and it, it does happen um you know it's not entirely a beat up but that said the the solutions that you know the Labor Party, the Liberal Party, every other party has been putting forward for years and years and years is oh we'll just lock them up, we'll just send them to jail, and it doesn't work. Like we have yeah. so much data, so many studies that say if you lock kids up with if you, you send a kid to jail, you're just going to make that kid into a criminal. Um, if you locking people away with no like social support, no nothing doesn't fix the problem it's a band-aid you know instead of uh you know bob catter's idea um the you know we should get these kids and ship them out to like working farms in the desert or wherever he wants to send them that's fucked up <laughs> yeah, it's so fucked up um yeah and you know so that he wants to do that because he's like oh we'll teach him a trade and lock him in the desert for a year and they'll come back as model citizens and that doesn't that doesn't make sense it's, well, it's not going to work. If there's no jobs, like, what are they going to do? It doesn't matter. Like, like even if that, you know, was good, which it's not, like, even if you could send someone away to a farm in the desert and have them, like, get, you know, learn useful skills and stuff, it's like, well, the problem is not lack of education here. It's lack of employment. It's lack of jobs. Like, there's no amount of, you know... You're all competing for a limited supply of positions, just like learning more skills isn't going to help with that because ultimately, like, unemployment is not a result of a personal moral failing. It's like you're not unemployed because you're not good enough, you're unemployed because there's not enough jobs for too many people. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, going to TAFE or getting a trade or going to uni, that's great, and you can come away with some really good skills. But that doesn't fix a structural problem. Like, that needs actual work from government, um, you know, from state and federal working together. And instead, what we're getting is our social services are getting funding slashed across the board. Where, you know, just just today, the Prime Minister's um, come out saying he's going to cut job keepers and job seekers and throw millions of Australians back into poverty. And that's not conductive to fixing societal problems like nobody goes out and breaks into houses and steals cars and does whatever because they've got a lot going on for them like 
if you've got nothing to do if you're alive and you don't feel like you're going to go anywhere, of course, you're not going to care about your consequences. If your consequence is, you know, you get locked up in the youth detention center or you get sent away because the youth detention center is full, um, rather than actually having a solution to our social problems, just locking kids up and shipping them off to the desert, like that doesn't fix anything. It's like putting a bandaid over a, bloody, a leg that's been cut off entirely. It doesn't fix the problem. And like, the thing is, you know, I reckon the, that's all fairly common sense. Like, this is not some, like, I don't know, that's not kind of greeny moralism, I guess. You can just say that to people and they'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it's just that people aren't, you know, the Labour Party certainly is not having that conversation with voters. It's not willing to say to them, oh, look, this just isn't going to fix the problem. Um, so can you, yeah, um, can you then talk a bit more about, since we're talking about the need for jobs, which obviously jobs are always good, but also the fact that Northern Queensland's been kind of overlooked and kind of treated as an economic backwater and it needs more people to actually care about the people who live there and, like, you know, represent them and... Uh, turn more of the political focus away from Brisbane and onto North Queensland. Can you talk a bit about then uh, what some of the policies are that you'd want to push through and then just what your vision is for the future of the area and what your kind of vision is for the future of Townsville and what you'd like to do if you had the, if you were in power and if we had a, a Greens government and we could push through what we whatever we wanted? 93 um, MPs in Queensland State Parliament. Yeah. yeah. All Greens. Yeah. Why stop at three MPs? We've got 93 seats and I want to see no, 93 I said Greens. 90, I said oh, 93. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 93 Greens. That's it. Like, well, let's make a it lot of the... Um, we need a few more seats for that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, look, the, the Greens party has said from the start that they, you know, they reckon they have a good chance of winning seven seats across Queensland this election. And I'll tell you right now, I fully intend Townsville to be one of those seven. We need to we need to really rethink the way that we're doing things um, up here, and a lot of that comes from like an economic reconstruction. Like coronavirus has been pretty bad, but it's given us, as awful as it sounds, it's given us a great opportunity to reshape, um, you know, Queensland and Australian politics and how we engage with work in general. Like the Greens plan for North Queensland is we're going to build, um, you know, heaps of solar energy. We're aiming to get a hundred percent of the state done by solar energy by, uh, 2030. That's going to generate thousands and thousands of jobs. Um, you know, the other, the other big, big, um, plan that we've got is our, our, um, our social housing plan where we're going to build a hundred thousand social houses, um, across statewide, but a fair chunk of that's going to be like North Queensland and, we need people to build these houses. We need massive investment. We need chippies. We need sparkies. We need um, everyone from start to finish in the process of getting this going. And that's going to drive more and more uh, jobs up here. The yeah, like the biggest thing that we that we need to see is governments that don't just look at regional Queensland as somewhere you get resources from, but somewhere that you can you know put resources back into. And I think a lot of the, the issue that we've seen for so long is, you know, people think of North Queensland, they think, oh, mining, where, you know, that's where the coal comes from. That's where the iron comes from. You know, that's where you can get um, fantastic bananas. 
but they don't think of it as a as somewhere that investment should be going back into and that's a that's a big that's one of the big anti-politics driving sentiments up here is that you know we see governments in brisbane taking all the the resources from up here and you know giving back just the tiniest little bit of investment and we want to turn that around like the greens platform this election isn't just let's fix up brisbane let's fix up the southeast corner it's we're going to build a whole new queensland a queensland for everyone and it's going to be fantastic when all 93 of us get elected in october (laughs) i wanted to ask as well in that along that theme of um kind of extracting resources uh from these these regions that then you know only see a tiny sliver of that wealth um do you find that the greens policy of raising the um royalty rate on mining companies cuts through there or like how do you find that that's received um given that you know this is a, a traditionally a mining town um it actually it actually cuts through pretty well um you know a lot of people will come back at you and say well if you raise taxes won't they leave but mm. mining doesn't really work that way because sure they can leave but the ore is still here you can't just pack up a mining operation and go somewhere else um if you're looking for you know high quality ores which is what we have in north queensland and um a lot of it cuts through when you say look the mining companies, you know, they've had 6.8% of royalty rates for however long, but a lot of them are actually paying no tax at all. And you t- if you tell someone that, you know, one of these giant mining companies paid less tax than they did last year, that that wakes people up to it a bit. And they say, hang on, that's not right. How can you be taking billions and billions of dollars and paying no tax? Well, you know, your, your mate, you know, working down at Coles or something, is still paying more tax than one of these big companies. A lot of people really, really have super strong objections to that. And then, you know. Imagine why. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, And our economic recovery, it can't come on the backs of everyday people. These big corporations that have been um, taking taking the wealth of Queensland for themselves and for their own profit, they need to start paying their fair share. And until they do, like, it's not going to, we're not going to have the fair state that we need. We're not going to have um, a real, a more equitable society. Like no one individual should pay more tax than a multi-billion dollar company. No company that's op- operating in, you know, countries all around the world should be paying less tax than, you know, your checkout, check at Coles. It's, uh, it's completely ridiculous and we've got to change it. And raising these royalty rates from, you know, 6.8% to 35%, that's not actually that much. That To these big companies, that's not, that's a drop in the bucket. But to Queensland, that's so much extra funding that can go into our social services. We can use that to fully fund our public education. We can, we can have a state where, you know, state school teachers don't need to buy all of the classroom equipment. Um, and parents don't have to spend a cent to send their kids to a world-class school. And that's what we should be looking for. Like, if these companies want to operate here, and they do, otherwise they would have left long ago, um, then they should start paying their fair share. Well, I've been thinking about this. Um, I've been reading uh, Thomas Frank's book, What's the Matter with Kansas, which is about, uh, obviously, the American state of Kansas, right? And he talks about 
um, you know, here's basically what the book's about is about, well, Kansas used to be the home of uh, socialism in America, and it used to be these, like, uh, prairie populists, and it used to be this very, uh, this state which had a very clear sense of itself as, like, well, those bastards in the big city, those fat cats don't care about us, um, and we're going to develop our own kind of eccentric, renegade, um, agrarian populism, and we're going to go and demand, you know, we're going to form a kind of local identity based on ourselves as a, a region, as a backwater, as somewhere that's, yeah, and like a somewhere off the beaten path kind of thing. And he talks about that, and he talks about, you know, that was true in the 30s, and they were kind of quite socialist in the 30s. Um, and now, of course, they're the most Republican state in the uh, nation. They're one of the reddest states, and they've had some aggressively right-wing governors, but there's still very much this local sentiment of, um, yeah, like, taking pride in um, being this, like, um, you know, outside the big cities. Um, and, yeah, there's very sense of, like, real kind of rugged, like, local um, independence, but it's just translated, it's kind of picked up by the right instead of the left. I was thinking about that because I was thinking, a uh, fun fact about Townsville is that uh, the only communist ever elected to an Australian parliament, uh, Fred uh, Thompson, I think, that sounds right. Patterson? Um, Patterson, Fred Patterson. Yeah, down in Bowen. Was, that was up there, right? Yeah, yeah, the, um, Bowen's... Uh... Well, I mean, I'd say it's pretty close. It's 200 k's away, but pretty close. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> it's, it's the next electorate over, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like we, we had a local member in state parliament here as well in Townsville, um, in the seat of uh, South Townsville, which is Mundingborough now, um, uh, Tommy Aikens. And, you know, he was booted out of the Labour Party for being too far left, um, for having these horrible communist sentiments. And, you know, they were doing their whole reds under the bed thing. And he was our local member for years and years and years and years and years. You know, like my grandma still talks about him so highly. Um, and I think he was, that was like 60s and 70s, he was uh, a local member, independent, beating the Labour Party and the Liberal Party for like two decades almost. But yeah, like North Queensland has a really weird, rich history of like, a lot of people see it as this, you know, conservative area up here, but... I think that's that's a really modern kind of phenomenon that the conservatives have got in. Like until the nineties, Townsville was one of the uh, Townsville and the federal seat here, Herbert, was one of the most easily held Labor seats in the country. Mm. Um, the city is like huge union city and has been for well decades until the eighties when our unions are uh, got a lot less good. Thanks, Hawkey. Um, <laughs> Something we may have talked about once or twice on the show before. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, so the, this modern thing of uh, North Queensland being super conservative and all that, I don't, I don't think that's... Um, I don't think North Queensland's inherently conservative. I think right now the conservatives are the only people that are playing up to the voters here um, and promising them the jobs that they want and the, uh, you know, uh, jobs investment and then playing on all these... Uh, Bit of, a little bit of xenophobia that you get in the in the country, but that's not so much a thing in Townsville uh, now. We're a pretty multi-ethnic 
surprisingly, um, despite what uh, media would portray us as and what people down south seem to think of North Queensland. Um, yeah, no, uh, it's really, uh, it's really, it's really something up here. And I think, you know, the left has a real shot to rise again up in Townsville. And it's, I think it's really silly to write us off, to write off the Greens as a force that could come up in regional Queensland. Because regional Queensland is so different to anywhere else in the country. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really something else. You just got to sort of come up here and experience. I can't really explain it. Hey. We should do a flood road trip up there next time. That'd be good. I've honestly so rarely, like, been north of Brisbane. Like, yeah, I've been to Cairns uh, and Rocky, but never Townsville. Yeah, same, I think. Um, I've been to Cairns to see the reef, and that's kind of it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just the, it's just the issue of, like, the distance as much as anything else. But, um, yeah, like, it just strikes me that, um, you know, these areas do have this, like, red history. Like, gen- like of electing, like, actual communists to government. Um, and it's not, like... It's very frustrating to see how it gets kind of written off when it's really just a matter of, well, no one's doing the work. Like, it is really not that hard once you just buckle in and actually do the work of talking to people and treating them like they're intelligent. And speaking of... Uh, not doing that work. I wanted to, to touch on um, what the Labor Party is doing up up that end, um, Tom, because you mentioned that, yeah, the Conservatives are running really hard on jobs, um, a little a touch of xenophobia, and, and then uh, also the, the crime stuff. So what would you say the Labor Party's electoral line is going into the state election? Are they just sort of like LNP, but slightly diluted? Yeah, I mean, like, as far as I can see from the Labour platform, which I haven't seen all that much of this state election, it really honestly feels like they're campaigning on being on not being Campbell Newman. Uh, okay. Interesting. It, it, yeah, it's like they're still so... I think the Labour Party is still so scarred from, you know, the uh, Newman government that, you know, they're still working on, oh, we're not we're not Campbell Newman. And, oh, if we pander to the... To the uh, to the right a bit then you know we'll steal some votes from the libs and they won't get in government and do all this horrible things but you know what the what they don't seem to realize is they're doing it all anyway they're just yeah less overt about it you know like all of these privatizations that we see in queensland majority of us labor has done that you know they just froze um frontline health workers uh pay and got public servant pays and you know that's uh, saying, oh, we froze their pays and we reneged on a deal, but, you know, we're, we're not the Newman government. Like, but, you know, Campbell would be very happy with that policy. It's, um, yeah, it's really, really weird to see that their, 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 their election up here, it's like, like yeah, I think you're, you're pretty bang on there as they're running of, well, we're like the liberals, but we're, we're not quite that far. We have red ties, so we're different. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, yeah, I did notice on the Labour candidate's website, he does talk about, it doesn't say a lot, but he talks about his support for Adani. Um, I often feel like they're just playing to stereotypes of what they think that North Queensland voters are supposed to be like. Um, anyway, so yeah, like, uh, we should get this in here because there is uh, one last thing I do yeah. actually want to cover, which we... We need um, to go into detail on this. <laughs> actually do need to talk about. Uh, Tom, can you tell us a bit about your relationship with Bob Catter? Um, yeah, no, I'm happy to. Um, 
Bob's an interesting guy. Um, I first met him as my in my role as president of the student union. You know, I was trying to talk to him about education policy and why you know shouldn't vote with the libs because it's going to hurt kids in the bush and kids up here. Um, and it will. Um, at downtown, if you're listening, your policies are awful. Um, so just to, so does he? Yeah, like you just met him like in Townsville. Does he live there? What's the go? No, no. Um, so Bob doesn't live in Townsville, but because of his electorate being so large, if he's gone to Brisbane or wherever, he usually has to fly through Townsville. So if you, you know, if you want to uh, meet up with him, he's actually kind of very receptive to meeting with voters and people that from around here. And, you know, I, I thought we would have a first time I met him, I thought we'd have like a quick 20 minute chat, um, talk about education policy and he'd do the usual uh, meeting a politician thing of being like, yeah, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Send it, send it all to me in an email again and then uh, I'll never get back to you. Um, but that's not what happened, man. Like Bob's, um, he was super receptive to talking to a, like a student. Like, he didn't know I was a, a great at the time. Um, um, and, but he was just really receptive to having a chat and we ended up having a chat for maybe about two hours or so. And yeah, it was education policy for a bit, but then had a good yarn about economics in general, um, all kinds of different policies. And he's the first thing he asked when I, when I sat down with him, was he was like, if you were prime minister tomorrow, what would you do? And like, that's a, that's just such a, such a broad question. And I think that's a really, I think, I think he's actually quite an intelligent man, um, despite how his public, um, persona might come off. Because ask a question like that of a constituent first time you meet them, you can get a really good glimpse into what people are actually, what kind of Australia they want to see. That's actually a pretty good line. I might have to incorporate that into the door knocking script. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to remember that one. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, no, we had a we had a great yarn, and you know, we only ended up after about two hours when he's a he's a what do you call him like an electoral officer, secretary type guy, staffer, um, staffer, yeah. And his staff is like, Bob, we're very late for our next thing. We have to go. Um, <laughs> um, you know, so he's, uh, yeah, so, so he went off there. And then it was like a couple of days later, I got this call from his office. Um, and they were like, hey, what's your postal address? And I was like, oh, okay. And I just gave it to him. I was like, okay, this is, maybe they're just like replying to my letter or something. And I get this packed in the mail the next day. Um like express posts and he sent me a copy of his book uh it's called uh yeah i was going to ask you to read the title <laughs> yes uh this book by bob Catter is called an incredible race of people a passionate history of australia there you have it passionate history how often do you yeah. one of those <laughs> um the the foreword to this book the little intro bit is uh him talking about meeting the king of spain um in oh, brisbane yeah. in the 80s yeah. That is and incredible. Then it, then it skips really forward adorable. a bit to the founding of Cloncurry, which um, I guess like 1860s where history started. Pretty much, um, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's actually, I haven't read all of the book so far, but it's, it's a really interesting look into, um, you know, Bob's viewpoints on things. And 
you know, he and I do share some views. Like we're both pretty passionate about unions. Um, we're very passionate about North Queensland. And it's weird to say, but I think Bob and I have pretty similar in some regards, like economic leanings. Like we're both in favor of big taxes on like corporations and the pu- public wealth should belong to the public type stuff. Yeah, I'm socially, glad, it's I'm, night and day. But I'm glad you mentioned that because on our last show, or the show we did about regions um, a couple of weeks ago, we were trying to sort of work out what Bob Catter's economic policies at, or like where he where he sat. Um, because you get you you hear him called an agrarian socialist quite a lot, but we didn't think that he actually uses that label himself. Um, but yeah, sounds like he's sort of broadly in favour of yeah taxes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think if you drill down on it, um, Bob's biggest thing is that he wants you know the north North Queensland and regional Queensland to be as economically prosperous as the cities. And, you know, I, I agree. Um, it's really, it's really interesting the way that he, you know, he talks about things in this, in this history book. Like he, there's a, there's a whole two, three chapters on here of, um, a bloke that worked at treasury in the thirties. Um, and he says a lot of very, so for someone who was, you know, in the Nats at the time and someone who was, uh, you know, obviously left the LNP to do his own party and be a, a very strong independent voice. He talks really highly of Gough Whitlam, which, you know, when you think about someone from the from the right talking, like, highly about Gough Whitlam, you just don't think it's going to happen. And then... Mm. And um, th- so then the... I think the latest development in this relationship is that you've been invited to dinner at his place. That was the last I heard. Can you confirm or deny um, it wasn't at his place. Uh, uh, we were going to have a dinner at a local restaurant. Unfortunately, um, there was a scheduling issue or something come up at the last minute, so he's had to cancel that. But I did. We did have a quick twenty-minute chat uh, at the pub next to my house the other the other day. Right. Um, and that was <laughs> that was that was good. You know, I got a little bit more education policy. Had a good chat about economics, and um, he kept he kept wanting to talk about. Um, nuclear power which i don't know enough about to have a strong opinion hmm. um yeah so maybe that's the next cat australian party policy to come out they're going to build nuclear power stations up here who knows yeah um, it's, it certainly seems like a kind of diverse <laughs> range of uh, interests so bob yeah i feel like when yeah. i look into him his policies are just a, a bit of a random walk like there's kind of a running theme but it often it'll just go off in a slightly more eccentric direction and it'll be like, oh, you were you were reading about that today. Okay. Um, I'm also just really enjoying thinking about him meeting the King of Spain. Um, that's really satisfying to me. Yeah, it was um, the King and Queen of Spain. And uh, it's apparently the, you know, the Bjorki-Peterson government had uh, messed something up there and hadn't got, like, uh, the premier or the prime minister or anyone to meet with them. And so they sent Bob Catter, um, which I guess would give a visiting dignitary a real taste of rural Australia, something that they wouldn't get otherwise. Which, you know, it could be, it could be interesting. But yeah, um, you guys probably remember that, that now infamous interview of Bob Catter uh, where he's talking about the 
marriage equality plebiscite yeah flips on a dime to crocodiles yeah we played that um in our last episode actually we we, um, piped that in (laughs) yeah and i really enjoyed it watching it on youtube classic moment yeah it's um it's a great clip but um yeah when you talk to bob sometimes it's actually kind of like that like he will just flip to a different topic really fast and it's um it's an unusual it's i never have other conversations like that but I'll tell you what, it is some of the most captivating conversation that I've ever had in my life, talking to Bob Catter. Hmm. Um, I can see why people vote for him. He's obviously really, really passionate about his electorate and, you know, the people up there in Kennedy. Um, and he's a very passionate speaker and it, you, you just can't look away. Like, yeah, he's a really, really interesting book. If you ever get the chance, I'd urge you to have a chat with Bob Catter. Yeah, look, I would not turn it down. Definitely not. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess there's a question of how you kind of navigate, you know, the um, extremely questionable, um, some of, you know, some of his more questionable opinions um, about such things as same-sex marriage and Judeo-Christian values. What are Bob Catter's um, race politics? I This is another thing I haven't really been able to figure out. Uh, I can't figure them out either. Um He's not a Pauline Hanson type. No, I I didn't think so. I didn't. Yeah, I couldn't really tell because, I mean, I did hear once that he like has quite a good relationship with local mob um, around his electorate, but also, yeah, I, um, you know, being like kind of semi-conservative regional um, independent politician doesn't always spell the best racial politics. But yes, it, it doesn't ever seem to really come up with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, from what I can tell, you're right. He does seem to have a really good relationship with look with like the local mob. Um, but yeah, it. You're right. It never really comes up with Bob. Um, but Something I don't. To ask I don't him think he's. Time. Yeah, you definitely have to. I don't think he's uh, quite on the uh, the green side of where we stand with that kind of politics. Um, but he's definitely not in Pauline's camp either. I mean, yeah. One thing Bob and I do actually agree on quite a lot is how much we dislike this Labour government that we've got now. He, I got him started on it the other day and it was just, you know, this is the worst government we've ever had in Queensland and all this. And then he went on this long rant and then he just stops and he says, but I couldn't see how the Liberals would have done anything differently. Which really, so true. That that touched straight on that same thing that everyone in North Queensland seems to feel is that Queensland Labor are awful, but Queensland LNP are just as bad, and they probably would have done all the same stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, we're at about an hour. Um, so uh, so Tom, yeah, the last thing I wanted to ask you was um, what like with the election coming up in October. What do the next few months look like for you? Um, like, are you just going to be kind of campaigning um, a lot? Is there anything like that you particularly want to do before election day? Um, yeah. So the next couple of months are looking uh, every day looks more and more hectic for me as we get closer to the election. Um, I'm finishing up my term as president of the student association up here. Um, so that my term is that president of the student association actually finishes on election day. So oh, nice. if everything goes well, I'm going to step from, you know, student association presidency to state MP. 
which I can't see why that wouldn't happen. Um, Sounds like a plan. <laughs> that's the plan. And until I get hard numbers that say it's not happening, it's happening. Exactly. I love that attitude. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's actually pretty hectic. Like we're, we're launch- having our big campaign launch, I think it's in two weeks time. And, you know, that's going to be pretty good. Um, we're just coming out of this COVID uh, restrictions and trying to get people engaged in, you know, meeting other people and talking to others and talking in person and door knocking and coming to the market stalls. It's really, um, it's really unusual campaigning. It feels so strange right now. Like even being at work, like nothing feels quite real with, uh, coming back from the COVID restrictions to this new normal, I guess you'd call it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's flat out campaigning. Uh, you know, I've got my, Every second that I'm not in my office at work, I'm going to be, I'm going to be dedicating it to turning Townsville green, because we need a change up here. And uh, as the, uh, well, I have the second youngest candidate now. I reckon I've got a good shot for it. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Tom. Yeah, yeah Tom. Thank you so much. Um, this has been it's been really good to talk to you. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. It's been really cool. And you know, remember, vote green. Vote for Tom. I think that should yep, just continue to be let's your campaign. Let's just all vote for Tom. Yeah. Like, no matter where we are, let's just, we'll like, let's just get enough votes for Tom, like, statewide. Yeah, I've, I've still got that shirt. Hey, like, I could bust it out at any time. Um, and um, no one else has got a shirt, so. <laughs> Rocking it out, vote for Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, thanks, Tom. Um, bye.